And go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, we've got a cheat sheet right here on the screen. But I would encourage you to try and pull out your mobile device and maybe even go paper. That would be wild. And uh, you can go to Luke 12. And, and uh, just if you're checking out church or Jesus, I just want you to know that we're a community that, that believes that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the God the Son. And there's no other way to heaven except through Jesus and thankful that we have Jesus because there would be no way for us to be saved from our sins except through him. And so we're a community that, that sees that. And maybe you're checking that out and maybe you don't quite, you're not quite there. I just want to tell you, this is a place that you can belong before you believe. And we're just so glad that you're here today. And so we're looking at, uh, at one of the gospels. We're looking at Luke and Luke is a meticulous writer. This is his account of Jesus's life. And so uh, we're, we're picking up here and um, he, Jesus has spent in Luke chapter 12, he's, he's been really just, it's an unbelievable chapter. It's chock full of just weighty stuff. He's going in and out. And, and so he's, he's pretty much uh, you know, encouraging um, and challenging those that are choosing to follow him that day. And so um, he's up there and he's talking and then this person interrupts him. And we'll look at that in just a second. Here's what Jesus says to that interruption. He said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. Parable is simply, it's an earthly story with a spiritual meaning. Okay, those, those two together. So he gives them this parable. And he says, he told them this parable. He said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I got no place to store all these crops. And so he said, this is what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. All, I, all I'll say to myself, self, <laughs> you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink, and be merry. It's interesting. He gave himself permission to do that. But God said to him, you fool. Okay, that's a pretty strong, challenging word there. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you've prepared for yourself. And these are, that's a pretty strong verse here. It says, this is how it's going to be to whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So I think we, we have to pause for a moment after reading that scripture. And I think as a community, just ask a few questions like, what is he really talking about here? And what does that have to do with us today? And, and then the other part is like, how, how does this help my marriage? How does this help my business? How, how does this help my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Where, where does this, what's, the, what's the, kind of the main text? And then what am I going to apply out of, out of this that God might be speaking to you? And so I've entitled this message today, if you have notes. And by the way, I uh, did a labor of love this week. And I have made notes for you, all right, of the highlights of what I think you might get. So you can use that today. Anybody note takers? You enjoy the notes? All right, anybody don't care? You're just like, I don't give a... All right, cool. Well, I've titled this message, as you see on the screen, I Need One More. I Need One More. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. And Jesus, we thank you that over 2,000 years ago, you, you lived a sinless life that we could not live. And you went on a cross, and you experienced the death that all of us deserve. But we thank you today that three days later, you rose again, and you are alive today. 
And thank you that you have given us an invitation that whoever would believe you and follow you, turn from our sins, we can find that same life. And Spirit of God, we just thank you that you are with us. We ask you right now, God, to transform our hearts. God, I, I fully recognize that as a communicator, I can't do what only you can do. And so, Lord, we just ask for your, your spirit to, to, to do what only you can do today. In Jesus' name. And somebody said? Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and find your seat right where you are. And I just got to brag on you guys just a little bit. Two weeks ago, we had an amazing event here called City Fest. Anybody go to City Fest? Cool. It was awesome, man. We redeemed the day and we had so much fun. In fact, I want to stop talking about it. And if you missed it, check out this 45 second clip of City Fest. Check this out. get this, we aren't sure of the exact numbers because honestly, it was overwhelming. We think we had between 1,500 and 2,000 people in our community here at City Fest. Can we give God a hand for that? Isn't that awesome? And so I, I love the event. It was so much fun as a dad of two toddlers. It was just awesome. And, and let me just tell you just a little bit about it. And I'm going to go somewhere with this. But at City Fest, we had these you know, trunks where kids could get candy. And there was carnival games type thing. There was a dunk tank that you saw me in. Somehow I got figured out. And somehow our youth pastor didn't get in the dunk tank. I don't get that one, pastor. That, didn't make, that made no sense to me. So we'll make some changes for next year. And man, we had... <laughs> Uh, you know, and we had some fun and we had food and honestly, the weather was beautiful. There was one part of it that I really just so loved. We actually had this, what we called a give back portion of City Fest. And so you see a, a slide here of what it looks like. And so um, we not only had an event where you could get stuff, but we actually wanted to create an experience where you could, as a family, give something back. And so I don't know if you know this, but homelessness is not just a real thing in our country. It's a real thing right in our zip code. And so um, we actually partnered with an agency. And so we actually built um, toilet. We, we had an experience where families could, could create and pack toiletry kits for, for families that are in, tra it's called transition. They're going in and out of this poverty line where they sometimes don't have funding. And so it's a real need right in our community. And we were able to make an impact about that. And, uh, and so it was really cool. And I want you to check out what a parent's perspective was, one of the moms right in our own church, about the impact of this give back portion of City Fest. Check this out. Tonight we are here at City Fest and we had a trunk that uh, our small group did for financial peace. And then of course get to hang out with our City Church family and spend time with our small group. You know a couple of the church members that we haven't met or interacted with before. Also, unexpected surprise, my kids were able to do some volunteering tonight to put some packets together for some missions. I have a 15 year old when he first got here, he was not very excited or enthusiastic about passing out candy and kind of had a grumpy look on his face, but my husband pulled him over here, and when I came back, he was fully engaged and really focused on his task of getting his 
kept it together and was just seemed to be had a different demeanor about him. You know, he was he was enjoying his part of serving and helping in this capacity. That's always a blessing. I always trying to teach the kids to think about other people that are not as fortunate as they are, that might be in situations that, you know, might require some help. And so them being a part of that was really a blessing to them. And I feel like they really like that even more than hand out the candy because they were actually able to physically get the packages together. Just feel like they were contributing a little bit differently than just hand out candy, but actually giving something that's going to impact some other kids and teens and children who may be less fortunate than them. Get that realization that we're blessed and this is a good idea for us to be blessed and help somebody else. I appreciate you guys for having the thoughtfulness and thinking outside the box for something different, not only the chunk of tree, but also blessing other families in need at this event and this capacity. So I think that was a fantastic, fantastic idea. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty awesome. All right. How many of y'all are parents in the room? Okay. Do you relate with what she just said? Right. There is a part in us that wants to make sure that our kids are not only takers, but also givers. Am I right? Like, like, and we don't even need to read the Bible to get there. All right. Now, whether they can be grounded in scripture and we can stand on that, but honestly, just through experience, we know that to be true because here's, this, here's something that's very true. I think we all can agree with. Let's see. But it's this. Consuming won't fulfill. Yeah. And the truth is, I, 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 this will be my own confession box here. I won't put you in this, all right? But I actually care more about my kids than yours. Okay? So I just I got to be honest with you. So let, let me be clear. The reason as a parent I want my kids to give is, is I wish it was because I love your kids so much or everybody else so much, but the truth is it's because I love my kids so much that I know that consuming won't fulfill my son and my daughter. In other words, I want my kids to give because I've experienced in my own life that consuming won't fulfill me. And I, as a good dad, hopefully, and as a good mom, we want our kids to find fulfillment. We want them to experience true joy. And so that's honestly the reason why we care about it. If I could just even take the City Fest event, I almost feel like it's a theological statement that if you're going to have a great event, if you're going to have a lot of fun, if you're going to really find fulfillment, it's not just in getting, but it's also in receiving. Am I right? And so uh, can I even take just a step further? Um, I think it's actually found more in giving than receiving. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with receiving. Receiving's good. Receiving's fun. But ultimate fulfillment is not just found in receiving. It's actually found when we're giving more than we are receiving. Let me show you in the book of Acts. Paul quoted Jesus when he says this. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the who? The weak. You know, God is concerned with the last, the least, the lost. God's heart gravitates towards the last, the least, and the lost. And can I tell you, you can have millions of dollars in the bank and still be last, least, and lost. It's bigger than a number. It's bigger than a financial position. It's bigger than even a position even within our community. He cares about the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, this isn't just Paul's words, it's what Jesus said, it's more blessed. That, mean, that word literally just means happy, like a 
Like sometimes, you know, we, we have this adult happiness that like is filtered and kind of on guard. But can I tell you, my five-year-old man, when he gets happy, it is unhindered. It is just like a full joy. His face can't control it. He's just so excited. That's the happy we're talking about. Like it's this internal, deep in you, you can't control it, blessed. To give than to receive. So Jesus literally said that you're actually gonna find more fulfillment and more happiness in giving than receiving. And can I take it even a step further? I feel like there's, there's a strategic way that the enemy is trying to stop you from giving. Because if the enemy can figure out in his strategy to keep you as a consumer, you won't find your full fulfillment. Like I, I, think, I think it is a, it's, our, our consumeristic culture is blinded by the strategy of Satan that you would only care about you. And so I, I think God wants to free us from that. I believe God wants to free us from this today. And I, by the way, I don't expect a lot of amens today, all right? And that's okay, that's okay. Uh, it, it, let, me, let me explain it like this. Uh, the enemy's strategy is really found in one word. It's found in this word, if we could put it up on the screen. Greed. Greed. And you know, all of us are tempted by greed, right? Now, there's a lot of definitions that we can unpack for this. For your notes there, I want to keep it very simple today because you could do your own researching on the word greed. But here's, here, if I could just make it as simple as possible, greed is this. I need one more. I just, I need one more. And this isn't just a cultural thing. This is all the way back to the beginning, In fact, Genesis 3 unpacks this narrative of of the serpent being Satan, having this conversation with Adam and Eve. And, and, And let's just pick up this Genesis narrative for a second. God looks at Adam and Eve and says, listen, I wanna give you this garden. And there is an abundance of trees. Did you know that Genesis even recounts there are some trees that are just good to look at? They didn't even produce fruit. They were just pretty. In other words, there's this idea that there's this abundance to this garden. And in Genesis 3, there's something that as I was researching this this week, I never noticed, and maybe you have, and you're way more spiritual and theological than me, but I never noticed that the location of the one tree that God said that Adam and Eve would not eat of. They can eat of any other tree except the one. You know where it's located? Right in the middle of the garden. In other words, you can't get from one side to the other without being tempted, get this, for one more. So Satan has this conversation with Adam and Eve, and he, he talks them into going, you know what, even though there's an abundance of trees, and even though we never have to worry about anything, I need that tree. I need one more tree. The rest of them aren't enough. I've got to have one more, and boom, sent into the world. And can we all relate? I mean, come on. This is like, this is, this is the truth that we, we all, we all have that tree. I mean, you could have built a whole message around just that idea. There's this tree that's in the middle. There's this, there's this greed that's inside of each one of us. And listen, greed will mess you up. It'll mess you up. Like it'll make your world small. We'll see it in just a second. It'll make you narcissistic. It'll make you not a good husband. It'll make you not a good spouse, not a good coworker, not a good boss. It will mess you up if you live your life always needing one more, one more, one more. Because you know that won't fulfill, right? Come on, some of y'all, Black Friday, somebody in this room is gonna buy a 75-inch TV for 300 bucks. 
Somebody's going to do it. Who's that? Can I get an amen? All right. <laughs> you're going to do it, right? You're going to get that bad boy home. You're going to stick it up on the wall. Then you're going to go on social media and you're going to realize that the other guy across the world at City Church got a bigger one, right? And then it's like, man, you were just excited until you saw the other one. It's not, I need one. I, I need that bigger thing. And you got that new car that you dreamed about. You pulled it off the lot. You saw somebody else's car with better rims and better interior, whatever the thing is. Right? I mean, just it, it, it'll mess you up. And this is the exact thing that Jesus is addressing here in the story. So we're here in Luke chapter 12. You can go back to your Bibles if you want. I want to walk through this together. So, so Jesus is, is, is talking to the crowds and this guy interrupts him and basically says, hey, I got an issue over here. Like my, me and my brother, we're, we're not figuring out this inheritance thing. And, and I need you to be the judge of this because this needs to get figured out. Now just imagine this scene. The God of the universe that came in flesh standing among them speaking to them words of life. And he interrupts the God of the universe that can absolutely take care of everything he'll ever need, not only on this side of heaven, but the other. I mean, and he literally interrupts him and says, if you don't deal with my immediate issue, I don't think I'm gonna get through the next year. And so Jesus actually reacts to this comment and changes the rest of Luke. And so then he says to this man, he says, watch out. And he doesn't just say it to him. He says it to everyone that's there. And why would God tell us to watch out? Because if we don't watch it, if we're not focused on it, we will all fall into this trap. I mean, this is a message you could do every few months because we, we can fall in that trap that I need one more. And God, I know I'm supposed to put you first, but you know what? We just got to... If we just finish all the furniture in the house, then, then we'll get it going. But when does that ever end? Come on. Right. And well, if we just paint all the stuff, then, you know, man, well, if we just get to that number, then we'll, then we'll put you first. If I just get to that retirement number, then everything is going to work out. And it just, it never stops. We, if we don't watch it, we just, it, it's a slow creep to narcissism. Right. It's a slow creep to ungodliness. It's a slow creep to unfulfillment in your heart. And God never desired you to be like that. And so I want to help you today. He says, not only that, watch out, but then he says, be on guard, like put up your dukes and make sure that this doesn't happen in your life. Cause it will, if you don't watch it. And he says against not just anything, all kinds of greed. It's not just finances. It's every area of our lives that just can, man, we just get into this routine where we just get hungry. We got to have one more. And can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with wanting more. It's when you worship that more. There's nothing wrong with getting alone with a whiteboard and God and saying, God, what could this be? Man, what could my life be? Man, what are you wanting to do? God, I got big dreams. I got big vision. Man, God, would you just bless this, this motive that I have for you? But, but can I tell you, if you get to a point where you start making ultimatums with God, that's the problem. God, if I got these dreams, and if these dreams don't happen, then we got problems. No, 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 no. We can't get there. Like that's gonna that's gonna rob you. That's gonna mess you up. Because here's the deal: life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. Can I even say life doesn't even doesn't even consist in your fulfilled dreams? Can I tell you that Jesus, in knowing Him, is actually better than your fulfilled dreams? Like, do you know the greatest part of heaven is not going to be everything? It's Jesus. It's him. You can say amen to that if you'd like to. 
And Jesus is in front of him. So he says, watch out from greed. And then he shares the parable, which he's explaining what greed looks like. And so let's look at it together. He told them, he said, guys, there is this ground of a certain rich man who yielded an abundant harvest. How many of y'all want an abundant harvest? Can I tell you that you're not sure? Like, can I answer that? I don't know. Am I allowed to? Yes. Can I tell you there's nothing wrong with having abundance? That's not the issue. The issue is not abundance. He thought to himself, that's not very smart, by the way. No, it didn't include anybody else. Definitely didn't include God. And he said, what shall I do? If you actually bring this back to the original uh, language, it, 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 it has this emotion attached to it that there is a little bit of anxiety built up into this question. And some of us think that if we just get more money, anxiety will go away. No, no, no. I know you joke at it, but the truth is we really do internally think those thoughts. God, if I just get the promotion, everything's going to be all right. I just need to keep going until that promotion comes. If I just get to that number, everything's going to be all right. If I just get to that, if I just finish school, if I just do this, every, can I tell you that even if you get more abundance, that doesn't mean that you're living abundantly. That like those two things don't naturally go together. You know that to be true. So he says, what shall I do? I mean, he's concerned. He's experiencing emotion. The abundance has brought emotional weight on him. Some of y'all would say, hey, I would love that weight. (laughs) God, give me the weight. I'll deal with that, right? Like, I'll I'll figure that one out. All right, okay. No, just me? Okay. I, I have... I have no place to store my crops. Boo-hoo. You know, you have no place to put it. So he said, this is what I'll do. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down my barns and, and I'm going to build bigger ones. That's what I, I like, what a, what a just a small-minded thinking. Right. Like, you know, man, I just, man, I got some extra money. I know what I'll do. I'm just going to get two cars or three cars, or I'm going to get a different house, or I'm going to get that. I'm just going to keep building my barns. And so he says, and I'll say to myself, self, <laughs> Can I tell you, you can talk yourself into some crazy stuff, by the way. That's why everybody needs me in a small group. So you get talked off the ledge of doing dumb things. That was good. Man, that was excellent. Hey, you're getting the best, by the way. First and second wasn't as good. This is, I got to tell you, I'm rating my sermon. It's phenomenal right now. Where am I at? I'm just so enamored by myself. <laughs> Okay, verse 19, I'll say to myself, there you go. Um, if, if any of you might have pulled up the NLT version, this is NIV, but NLT, I believe it's NLT. He said, it actually says, I'll say to myself, friend. And I just, that made me chuckle because it like, this is where this will bring you. Like you are your only friend. You got nobody else. Like your world's small. You know, you can't find a church that works for you. Can't find a wife that works for you. Can't find a job that works for you. Can't, I'm, I'm serious. Like, and you don't, you say, I'll never get there. But honestly, it's just these, it's a slippery slope of greed. Just, I need one more. I'm, I'm not satisfied. I need one more. I need one more. And we find ourselves. And look at this. He says, you've got, he tells himself, you know what, self? You have plenty of grain. Uh, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. You know what? Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, now Jesus is using this quote, and I think he knows about Solomon. Solomon said that, hey, if there is no God, we might as well. We might as well eat, drink, and be merry. And almost it's like Jesus is proving the point, and Luke's proving the point here, that this is an ungodly perspective. It's an ungodly perspective. Keep going. But God said to him, you fool. Can I translate? You're an idiot. I mean, it's really kind of what he's saying. And let me just, let me be clear. You could be in the world's eyes strategic, successful, well-dressed, 
well manicured. You seem like you got it all figured out. People look to you and admire you. Your, your pictures in magazines. You, 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 you do seminars, but the truth is, in God's eyes, you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I'm just telling you what it says. Guys, I, <laughs> I don't know about you. I, I don't want to be dumb. Like, that's not what I'm looking to do. Um, and, and hopefully we're, we're, we're living for something more than just the accolades of the world because that obviously won't fulfill. He says, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who's going to get what you prepared for yourself? And listen, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. What an interesting story. You know, I, I guess we have to ask the question, what does it mean to be rich towards God? Like, what is that? It's, it's a, does God need our riches? No, he doesn't need our riches. So what, what, is, what are we saying here? I like how John Piper put it. He said this, and then I'll fill in your blank here. He said, the phrase rich towards God, it's the opposite of laying up earthly treasure for yourself. So the, the idea of rich towards God is it's literally the exact opposite of the parable we just read. And he goes on to say this. He says, being rich towards God is the opposite of treating the self as though it were made for things and not for God. I love this. He says, it's, it means using earthly riches to show how much you value God. Let me just ask you, it's a, it's a question I think if we're going to read the Bible and study it, how much do we value God? Like where, where are we at with that? And if you have your blank there, if you're filling out notes here, being rich towards God, if I could put it this way, is approaching God and his creation with gratitude and with generosity. In fact, I, I didn't have any more words here, but I would have added being rich towards God is approaching God, his creation, and his mission with gratitude and with generosity. And so if we ask the question, if greed will mess us up, and greed's not, not for what God wants for us, then how do we combat greed? Will we combat greed by being rich towards God? And being rich towards God is focusing on and looking to God gratefully and also generously. And so if we're spiritual people and God speaks to our hearts and challenges us to get rid of something like greed, can I tell you, you don't just get rid of it and not replace it with anything. Because the truth is, if you walk here today and you simply say, God, I want to give you my greed, but you're gonna, that, that tree will be at your Monday. That tree will be right in the middle of your garden on Tuesday. That, thing, that temptation never goes away. So we don't want to just get rid of greed. We want to replace it with the right godly thing. And so it's not just getting rid of greed. It's re replacing it with something else. So here's the first one. We want to replace greed with gratitude. If you're filling out your notes there, we want to replace it with gratitude. Let me show you in Ephesians 5. I love this. It's so clear about the idea that we don't just take out, but we also put in. And he says this, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of what? Greed. Greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But so take that out and rather do what? Like he didn't just say, just get rid of it. He said, get rid of it and replace it with thankfulness. Everybody just practice with me. Say this with me. Say it as loud as you can and just with some boldness. Say, God. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, God. If you don't do another thing, you're good. You're good. Like that's uh, it's so powerful. That doesn't mean we don't ask for things. 
That doesn't mean we don't dream. That doesn't mean we don't have a heavenly father that has good gifts, that has plans, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, we don't worship it. We say, God, honestly, and I, sometimes I'll say that, man, if somebody's even, if I need healing in my body, sometimes I'll say, God, I just want to tell you right now, if you don't heal me, you're amazing. But now that we got that off the, off the side, can I get a healing? <laughs> like you're a good dad. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there's that part that, that we want to be. So we want to replace it with gratitude. And here's the second thing we want to replace it with giving, with giving, with generosity. Luke 12 goes on to say this. So this is later on in the same chapter. He says, sell your, pa- your possessions and give to those in what? Who's God concerned with? The least, the last, the lost. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. So you're wanting to figure out how to store up treasure and fulfillment and heart, be your heart, man, be overwhelmed and happy. Here's what he says, he says, give. He says, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure is gonna be safe. No thief can come in and steal it and no moth can destroy it. And here's what's so powerful. This is such a spiritual transforming verse where your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. Did it say give money because God needs it? No. Which brings me to this, this last point in your notes, if you're taking down any notes, is this. That gratitude and generosity are not what God wants from you. It's really what God wants for you. It is. Like it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's what he wants for you. It's the same reason why we gave back at City Fest. It's the same reason as parents that we don't want our kids just to consume because we know that that ultimately won't fulfill, will fulfill our kids. And your heavenly father knows the exact same thing. So let me just use an analogy here, if I, if I will, may. And can we give Ashley Poole a hand for helping me? She, uh, she changed her hair to red. I'm just so proud of her. There's a special part. Um, let me just use this analogy as we're talking about feeding people. You, you might be in the room and you honestly need this bag this, this Thanksgiving season. And I don't say that lightly. Um, I want you to know that, that we love you. I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that your church community loves you. And, I, and listen, none of us think that this one turkey bag is like gonna change all of our, your financial issues. But I do, I think we all, we, we pray that it's a token of God's grace, that you would just know that God's with you, that you are not alone, and that I believe this is the last time you'll ever need a bag. And I believe next time you're gonna be filling the bag because God's gonna do a transformation. Let's pray that over our community, right? As we're handing out these bags. So, so there are some that need this bag and hopefully you know someone that needs this bag. And I would also challenge you, if you don't know someone that needs this bag, you might need to go in your community a little more. You might need to serve in your, house, in your local church a little bit more because I don't know if that's healthy either to be that disconnected from, from not only where your community is, but also where you used to be, because we've all been there. And so some, some of us need the bag, but can I tell you, others of us, in fact, everyone else that doesn't need the bag, can I tell you what you need to do? You need to fill the bag. Right. Now listen, I just said those words, and what you heard was this. They need you to fill the bag. That's not what I said. You need you to fill the bag because generosity and gratitude is not what God wants from you. 
it's what God wants for you. Like you won't find ultimate fulfillment outside of generosity. It's, it's so powerful. And, and then here's, here's, my, here's the kicker right here. Because I feel like at this moment in my message as I was preparing it, I'm like, wow, everybody's gonna think all I'm trying to do is get people to fill bags. Like, like, that's, like that's the goal of the sermon because it's not. Like I, I hope that may be a reaction, but that's just not it. In fact, I put some things inside of this because I just want, I want to echo the point that generosity is what God wants for you and not what God wants from you. And I, even as I was praying this morning, I was, I was literally I was saying, I was praying to God. I said, God, I pray that before everyone dies, I know it sounds terrible and morbid, but I, I, I pray that, that before you pass, you get this. Honestly, because this is like I, like I prayed earlier, this is like a spiritual thing that like it, just, it doesn't, it's not natural to say what I'm saying right now. It's just, it's, it's upside down kingdom thinking. It's just, you, you, you gain by giving away. It, it, like that doesn't make sense. Like that's only a work of the spirit. So here's one that may touch people, but tithing is not what God wants from you. It isn't like he doesn't need your money. He owns it all. So we have to ask the question, like, what is, what it, why has this been a biblical practice for thousands and thousands and thousands of years of people that put God first? We just have to ask that question. Like, what is in it? Is it? Was it because God needed the money? It never was. So what is it about? It's about you, actually. Because do you know there is freedom when you put God first? Like when you return your tithe to God and, and you ask God to bless that 90%, there, there is a peace. And you know, like if you tithe, you get this. And for some of us, man, remember when we didn't tithe and, and then we did. So I just want to be clear. This is not what God wants from you. It really is what God wants for you. Let me also say our church's bills are all paid. All right. So there's not some weird like reason why we're doing this thing. Like this is, I hope you hear our heart. Like this is God's heart for you to find ultimate fulfillment. Okay, so, so that one. Let me just give you another one. Pastor's doing one day to, to feed the world, feed our community coming up in just a little bit, and we can put that up on the screen. But giving is not what God wants from you. It's what God wants for you. It's an act of... It's, how many of y'all feel better when you, after you praise God? Okay, think about that. Think about that. After you gave God adoration, you felt better. Just think of, I mean, we were created to worship. Literally, we were created to give. That, that, like, that's where we find our most fulfillment. And so, so you have the opportunity to give. And not just the one day to feed the world, man, it's way bigger than that. We're just, we're, we're giving and we're generous with our heart and with our lives. And here's the last one. It's not all just about finances. It's also just about our time, talent, and treasure. And serving is not what God wants from you. It really is what God wants for you. It is. It's just, can I tell you the dream teamers that helped out at City Fest probably got way more out of it than the people that came. Come on. Anybody that served, would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? Like even today, there are hundreds of people that make City Church happen. It's huge. We know, we, we know that to be true. It's not what God wants from you. And so listen, actually tonight, I know this is crazy. You won't believe this, but Growth Track is actually tonight. And so if you are um, not, if you haven't gotten in the game yet, this is your, this is your moment. Like this is your day. Don't wait. Listen, don't go into 2020 unengaged in your church. 
Don't, win, don't go into 2020 disengaged from mission and from giving back and discovering your purpose. Tonight is the night. So listen, cancel your plans. Blame it on me. I'll be there. I'll save you a seat, man. Let's pack this place out tonight with people that are hungry about serving, about giving back. And we actually, we don't let anybody serve at our church until you walk through growth track. And it's not any, any legalistic thing. It's just our way of saying, let us serve you until you really feel like this is your house and then it's time to serve. And if this is your house, this is your time. I talked to a gentleman uh, after second service. He said, I'm there tonight. This is my home. I've been here for about five or six weeks. I said, man, we're going to talk tonight. So I listen, cancel your plans. Do that. Be a part of that. And as I conclude today, listen, I, I don't know about you guys, but like, I just, I want to be a person that lives large. And I don't mean like by spending stuff on me. I just mean having a big worldview, a, a big God. A, a, I love that song, good grace. Good, like, man, just that I wouldn't get greedy and small and narcissistic. And gosh, that's not what I want for my marriage. That's not what I want for my kids. That's not what I would want for you. And so let me just recap as, as we conclude today. But, but greed will mess us up. And greeting, greed is simply, I, I need one more. And so we replace greed with two things. We, we replace it with gratitude and with generosity. And so just like I said earlier, I, actually, I tried to get done early because I want you to have a moment to reflect. Like I don't, this is such a heavy message that just to walk out of here would just seem not right. And so actually I asked the team to come and, and sing a song and you can actually stay right where you are. And I just ask you if you're able, if you feel okay about this, would you go ahead and just bow your heads and close your eyes. And it's, it's not to look out around anywhere else, but I'm gonna have this, this, this team lead and, and I think it would be appropriate for us to be true to ourselves and just ask ourselves maybe some tough questions. Just kind of say, God, where are my motivations? And where are my desires? And how does, where does my heart seem to lean to and have different areas in my life that have just, I just needed one more. And so we're gonna take the next two to three minutes and I want you to be able to do that and then and the team's gonna lead us in a song that I think will help us kind of frame this moment.